Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. What's been going on? Well, you know, this and that, a little bit of the other thing. Oh, the other thing, you know, I don't think enough people spend enough time on the other thing. Well, no, it often gets neglected because you were so busy with this or that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a little bit ago that you had ordered some new scripts to look at. Yes. I'm starting to think about getting back into directing after a brief hiatus mm-hmm. of sorts. You like that word, don't you? Hiatus? Yes. I do enjoy it. Yes, it's a good, <laughs> hey, this is broken. Uh-oh. Glenn broke his timer. That's it. This whole operation is ruined. It's falling It'll apart. Be a rapidly. time. Any of our episodes will just go on and on forever and ramble, and we won't make any points. Oh wait, it's pretty much what we're doing already. <laughs> yeah. So I ordered some new scripts because I'd like to get back into directing. I don't know. Within the next couple of years, could be next year, could be year after. I don't know. I did um, actually um, kind of semi. Well, I was asked about directing at Village Players of Hatboro again for next season. Yeah. I didn't formally apply this time around, but I did say, okay, for this the this one script, if you if nobody else is interested, list me as a backup mm-hmm. option potentially. So have they have they selected their shows? Yes, and they've selected the their whole next season and they I believe do have directors for all the shows. Okay. As far as I know. Mm-hmm. So you're just kinda in there as a backup? Uh well presumably it sounds like they won't need me because the show I was interested in being a backup for, they definitely had somebody for. Okay. So unless he becomes unavailable for, for mm. some reason, I'm assuming I will not be asked. Would you like him to become unavailable? <laughs> I know Are a guy. You I'm just saying I know a guy. Offering a way to make that happen? <laughs> I, I got a guy. You got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. Okay. Well, maybe I don't need to meet this guy. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I think uh, this other director, he he's actually had some good successes with uh, some other sh- he's he's fairly new. His name's Jim Kirkwood. He's mm-hmm. fairly new to working at Village Players, but he has had some good successes lately with uh, some of the shows he directed. Like uh, we talked about the show Unnecessary Farce. Yeah, uh, when we interviewed Allison and Ashley. Yeah, that went over really well, and he directed that. And th- this show would be really up his wheelhouse. It's another okay. farce, but it's kind of an Edgar Allan Poe related love story kind of a farce. <laughs> it's called the Telltale Farce. Go figure. Oh, okay. It's always good when they have farce in the title right there. You know yeah, what you're in for. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it says on the tin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, I would expect that he would do a very good job with that. Mm. I just figured, you know, if, if things became open, if nobody sure. else wanted to do it, then it would be something I'd potentially be willing to step into. But I guess I didn't care enough to formally submit an application. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I yeah. didn't feel that adamantly about it. I haven't like dealt with that situation where you're looking at accepted shows, so I'm just like looking at absolutely everything, so which is why I just ordered a couple of scripts. And uh, it's been a long time since I've done that. Really. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. That's we, we've talked about this many times. It's one of the reasons that I do enjoy Barley Sheaf and the the way they do things, where the directors are going to submit their own things, and it's not the only theater that does that there's a lot of theaters that have the director submit but as far as i do yeah as far as i'm aware it's the only one that has the the uh the membership decides but yeah that that's a very unusual situation mm-hmm. but so i'm kind of looking at one that is very much in my wheelhouse which apparently is is thriller or comedy thriller uh mystery that kind of thing that's what people seem to yeah associate me with most okay okay which is weird because i don't know that i've specifically directed that many of that type of show i mean accomplice 
and Getting Away with Murder, I think, are the only real like thrillers. You've also uh, acted in. Yeah, that's true. I have acted in a lot of them, like uh, Out of Sight, Out of Mind, and Murder. Out of Sight, Out of Murder. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Musical comedy murders of 1940. Yeah, right. So, so there have been a few. Whether it's something you're directing, maybe it's something you're just associated with in general. It's also possible that uh, Dracula and Frankenstein kind of get lumped in with those. Although to me, that's a completely different genre. Yeah, it it is. That's melodrama. Yep. Uh, with horror yeah, elements. Yeah. But so I don't I, I don't know if I should name the actual scripts I'm looking at. You, I don't maybe know. you don't want to do that. I don't know that I do want. But to. maybe you could describe like what types Well, one of them is a the the, the thriller comedy is a uh, I think it's a five-person show and it's an all-woman show, which I think holds a lot of appeal in community theater cuz there aren't always a lot of good roles available for women, so having a show that's all women, I think that'll have a certain amount of appeal. So yeah, the other one is a uh, just a straight-up comedy. Well, I guess it's probably a, a dramatic comedy. I'm assuming it's a dramatic comedy. I haven't read it yet, but it's you know award-nominated, award-winning. Sounds really interesting to me and has some personal connection. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of thing that I'm necessarily known for directing. I think the comedies that I've done are, are more farcical. Yeah. And I don't think this leans itself towards farce at all. So it's something that, like I said, has some personal connection for me that I think it, it just sounded really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I was finding, I think the last time I was actively trying to just order scripts and read scripts to get ideas, mm-hmm. I, I was just falling flat. Like e- ideas that sounded intriguing from a just a brief plot synopsis. Right. When I read them, it, I just... I guess I didn't get them. I didn't connect yeah. to them. It's so hard. I, I think when you're looking for scripts as a director, I, I, I have probably, when you go through and read the summaries, I think I have maybe a 50% where something that sounded interesting that I get is like, you know, gets any further than a single reading. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough. And I don't know how to make that any easier. The only way to, to have it easier is if you've seen a show, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can connect with that right away with yeah, before, and yeah. then then I can go out and buy the script. That's how, you know, True West and Lifetimes 3 worked before I had seen the shows. Right, right. I, I, I think I find that, you know, because we've talked about this in the past, because there has been a tendency for maybe a lot of theaters to do the same shows. Right. So if, if it, it kind of loses its appeal to, oh... I'll put on another production of that show. And that's Unless... one of the things like I had put in for Death Trap, which we, we've talked about before, where, where we couldn't get the rights for Death Trap. And people were like, oh, are you going to submit that again? And people are really interested to have me do it because it is a really good show, but it does get done a lot. Yeah. And it might I, I might not have been seeing it cropping up recently, but even like Barley Sheaf has already done it before. So do I really want to step in and direct it again? Right. Now, I've done that like Boeing. Boeing is something that's popped up a lot. Uh, even True West has popped up a lot at this point, but at the time it wasn't really being done. Uh, so it's hard. I like doing these shows, even if they have been done, but it has to connect with me. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know that Death Trap has connected with me that much. It, it would be interesting, and it's it's definitely a good script, and it's got some nice twists in it, but the twists are nothing compared to Accomplice. I'm never going to have a show quite as twisty as that one. I was uh, I was actually doing an interview recently for promotional video for um, mm. the show I'm currently directing, Nora Swan. Yeah. And in that discussion, I identified maybe the show that I've directed that I felt like I had the biggest personal connection to was I Hate Hamlet. Okay. 
I found that the general theme behind it of, you know, doing art for art's sake versus art for commercial sake mm-hmm. and how, the way I presented it in a, you know, nice kind of mostly comedic, but with a little bit of some thought behind it and right. dramatic elements behind it. Have you, are you at all familiar with art? Yes, I've seen art. Yeah, that's another one that kind of has that same concept, but it's a little more avant-garde. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Isn't that the one that has a painting that's entirely white? Yes. Yeah. Most it's been a while. I saw Forge's production of it probably yeah, about 15 years ago. Yeah, I was, I was involved ago. with that. I actually, I did the, did I do the set? I might have done the set for that, although it was pretty much just two platforms on either side. But I know I did the painting for that. <laughs> the white-on-white painting. And believe me, the director... As Deb Brock, who's an excellent director and really knows what she wants, wanted like literally a white on white painting. And I had to go through and like spend a lot of time with this. And the other thing is like they draw on that painting during the production. So I had this idea. Okay, I'm like, okay, well, I can do this and I can put a sealant on it and then they'll be able to use like a write on wipe off marker thing and they'll be able to wipe it off. And it didn't quite work. So by the end of the run, like you could kind of see the mark ahead of time. That's something uh, like, I don't know how they did. I, I mean, I guess if you're on Broadway, you know, you buy a bunch of canvases and whatever, but you know, the size canvas they were using was a really like, I don't know, like three foot by two foot or whatever. It was, you know, a canvas that was like a hundred dollars or something. And it was pretty big though, right? It yeah. yeah. Size. It, it was definitely a big canvas. So you could really see everything from the audience and see that it was white on white. <laughs> um, there's white paint on there. I, there was, there yeah, literally yeah. was. Cause I painted, actually I, I, I painted white. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> That it, um, you'd be able to tell that if you looked at it. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they couldn't really afford to get six canvases or whatever, however many performances would be. You know, you can't spend $600 on a on canvas for a show, although the set was fairly simple. Yeah, that was probably one of the main features of the yeah. set, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of uh, uh, when we did Laughter on the 23rd floor there, maybe mm-hmm. about a year or so after that. Uh, there was one wall on the set that one of the characters had to actually punch through. Yeah, I remember that. So it had to be set up in such a way so that it could be redone, you know, redone every night. I would think you just have like a section of the wall that's made of paper, right? I believe there was paper involved, yeah. like wallpaper involved with it and mm-hmm. plugs or that kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. There's always stuff like but that. that without gotta, making it too obvious that, oh, yeah, that's a that's spot where that's going to get. That's right? Yeah. I, there's stuff like that that, happened, that comes up a lot where you have to like keep redoing. I'm trying to think of any other examples, but it's things that you have to keep consistent or like... I forget which show it was. It might have even been Accomplice. No, it was in fact Dracula, where Renfield gets blood on his shirt every night. And yeah, I'd imagine any show involving blood. Yeah, and any stage blood that looks at all decent is very apt to stain. Mm-hmm. So I believe There's the a lot of laundry going the, on. Well, the set designer, or excuse me, the the uh, costume designer, who also happened to be the husband of Renfield, apparently scrubbed that shirt. Like every night, because you couldn't just throw it in the washing machine; it wouldn't come out. Did she had the like, husband of Renfield? Did I say husband? I yes, you wife. did. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it could be. I know it isn't. In well, this yes, you know who these people are. So. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, but yeah, wife. Uh, so she was the uh, the costume designer. Hope you're not offended. <laughs> Why would they be offended? Did you call me Miss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. She scrubbed it every night. I, I remember we like went through and tried to come up with different things to use for stage blood. I know we had strawberry syrup at one point. Uh-huh. I don't know if that I was think the I final remember thing. That. And, and then there was something that like I, I looked up a recipe and it had like dish soap so mm. that it was supposed to wash out more easily. It was like Makes dish sense. soap and red food coloring or something. I don't even remember. And I have and no it's idea. tasty too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we, we came up with like was our own recipe. Ooh. 
Trade secret, eh? Yeah, and I do not remember what it was. Corn syrup, I think it was... That sounds familiar. Corn syrup, dish detergent, and red food coloring? You'd have to use that for the blood transfusion device, too, did you? We, I think we used... I know we used something in there because the, the I, I actually made a device with the, the clear tubing, and you could technically see it. Yeah. But the tubing was so thin that you would have had to like been sitting on the stage mm. to really be able to see it, which was a shame because we went through this whole long complicated process and had like an actual like vacuum bulb or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. I, I do like prop design. I, I, I need to like just yeah, if you're out there and you need a prop designer, call me. I actually already had one. Oh. I had a I had a pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> come up with uh in a few days, come up with a circa nineteen tens flashlight mm-hmm. by himself. I could do that. Yeah. I I think that would be something that I'd be pretty well suited is to to do something with props. 267-225-8869. Give me a call. Call me. I'll (laughs) do your props for you. (laughs) Give props for Glenn being able to do his props. Yeah. Yeah. So what other uh, shows are you? I I mean, those are the two two scripts that I just ordered what what I'm looking at. I've also thought about like re-entering with a, a Christmas show. I'll just, that's Miracle on 34th Street is what I thought about. I mean, you can't really, I may as well name that one because there's only so many Christmas shows out there. (laughs) But I thought that might be kind of interesting to go back in, you know, to do that as my first show back. That would be interesting, I think. Like my main influence, I guess, is the original, the the movie with, uh, what's his face? Ed? Ed? I don't think I've seen that movie, actually. Ed Gwynn? I don't know. You haven't, well, I mean, they've done it like three times. But whatever the original black and white version is, that's that's the one I liked. Got it. Yes, Vir- um, no, that's something else. Never mind. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Yeah, there's probably a show for that too. Yeah. I've also had ideas for writing a Christmas show in my head for almost as long as I've been writing. Really? Yeah. And I'm not going to reveal known that secrets. on here. Yeah. But that that's an idea that I that I've had that was actually influenced by a movie that based on the title is what I thought this was, and that gave me the idea. And as far as I know, it hasn't been done. That's very vague, intentionally, because maybe one day I'll get around to writing Yeah, this. yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't want to spill your ideas. No. Anybody could steal those. Yeah. And there's also, like, other scripts that I've bought in the past that I'm like, oh, okay, that would be interesting. I kind of filed them away. I have, like, you know, I, I have a ton of scripts at this point. I don't even know how many. But I probably need to go through those and see what I have once yeah. I make my, my second comeback or whatever. I have several <laughs> that I... You know, I've read once and just mm-hmm. probably just going to continue to sit on myself yeah. on the shelf. I, there's definitely some that just don't, never, they, they just never click. I had one that I kind of, uh, it kind of clicked with me. It was a play called Goldfish, and I can't remember if I talked about it on here. I it's think like you have. the play nobody else likes except me. <laughs> that was <laughs> it's never going to get done. That was Lifetimes 3 for me, and I ended up getting that in. And yeah, but and yeah nobody Life, liked it. <laughs> Lifetimes 3, at least, uh, seemed like it had, did it have some degree of name recognition? Well, it's the same. Say? It's the same author as Art, and yeah, uh, yeah, what was yeah. the other one? Cannot remember the name of the other show that 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 she had. That that were all all three of them were on Broadway. Okay, Yasmina Reza, I yes, think, is yeah. the the author, and the translator is the same on all of them too, because she's French. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this one I don't ever see getting a chance to do it. I mean, mm. the being short doesn't help, and short enough to do it as a one act, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's always that option. It's an elaborate one act. I mean, it's it, it mm. requires like a full production. It's not like a single scene kind of a thing. It's right. got like probably four different locations in it. You can always examine it with the uh, one act eye and see if it would, if you could pull it off. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that would work. Anyway, that that's probably. 
of shows that I've not, not really gotten a chance to do, that's maybe mm-hmm. the one that has, I'm feeling it more than yeah. others. God, there was another one that or at I least I was at, at the time. If I were to go back and read it now, maybe I wouldn't see see it the same yeah. way. But nobody else liked it. <laughs> and maybe I'll read it one of these days. All right, <laughs> Popcorn was another one that I had looked at a while ago. That that felt like the uh, like a stage version of a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, which felt really cool to do. And I, I went to submit that once, but they couldn't get the rights. Like mm. they were just completely unavailable in this country. Talk about stage blood, probably. Yeah, I think guess. I think somebody gets shot in the head Ooh. on stage. <laughs> So I'm not even sure how I'd pull that off, but, <laughs> but I seem to remember that. It was a crazy show. I'd have to reread that one. There was something called Rocket Man that I remember. I think it was called Rocket Man. Rocket something that seemed interesting to me that I need to reread. There's always so many shows floating. I mean, there's just hundreds of th- thousands of scripts. I know, and it's it, it's it's so kind of like music though now in terms of finding something mm-hmm. out. Of, you know, it's a vast sea of options and. And how do you narrow that down? How do you narrow that down to something that you'll actually like and that speaks to you and that you want to immerse yourself in is really and challenging. That would, and, and on top of that, that would just work for community theater and work for, you know, the stage you're looking at doing it and the people yeah, that you right. know there are, are going to be there. Constraints. There's so many things to consider and all you're dealing with is, you know, maybe character descriptions, a brief plot description and... Oh, this sounds great. Yeah. And then you get the script. And you're like, wow, this is crap. Yeah. Because it could be poorly written. Just because it has a good summary doesn't mean it's going to be well written. Well, and it could be well written, too. It's just that it wasn't what you expected it to be. And also true. Maybe it's not what you're looking for. Yeah. And then you end up with something like uh, Accomplice that I read through and like my jaw just dropped when they got to the big twist at the end. They're like, oh, my God, I need to direct this. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you get something like that, those are the best shows to direct. And that's, I yeah. think, why it was so successful. Just like, wow, this is something. Like, I really am behind this. I really want to do it. And I don't get like that often enough. And I'll put into direct shows where I'm like, yeah, I, I like this. But it's not, I, I'm not doing anything again unless I have that feeling that I had with Accomplice, with Boeing, Boeing, with True West, even with Lifetime 3, because that's something that I just loved and was a, was a passion to do that, even if the show didn't come out like I expected it. Well, I think, you know, you and I have probably gone through this where early on in either theater or directing, you're mm-hmm. willing to try different things and maybe not so hung up on, you know, trying to compare it to past glories, as yeah. it were. And then you get to a point where, you know, maybe your time is more valuable to you. Maybe you want to do other things or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you don't necessarily want to revisit certain wells or styles yeah. of previous plays you've done. Like you want to go in a certain direction with it and you just become more discerning, I guess, as I far as you what you want to spend your time on. I mean, you know, when I started doing this, I was a single guy. I had like nothing else going on really. I had my job and I had theater. Yeah. And, you know, the occasional date and that sort of thing. But now I'm a married man. I've got, you know, a, a four-year-old son. It's to commit to something where you're going away three nights a week. Yeah. And then you're going to have to do more work on it outside of those three nights a week. And then you get into tech and you're gone for like a whole week. And then you're gone two nights a week for three weeks for shows. It's a pretty big commitment. It is. And that goes on for a few months. And that's why I'm, I'm, I've just taken a break entirely. I mean, by the time this airs, who knows, maybe I've put in and already have another show going, but yeah, it's like I had to step away for a while. Theater is a young person's game. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it is. In a lot of ways, it is. A young person or an old person, when you get the you know, middle-aged like us, or like me at least, um, it's hard to make that commitment because I've got a family now. I've got other things going on. So it's tough. Yeah. It needs I, to be important enough. 
Exactly. Yeah. You have to, you have to kind of find that passion again Mm -hmm. that you had before, but you know, maybe only certain types of shows or certain shows are really going to bring that out in you again. Yeah. I think it is certain shows. You got to rekindle that flame and it has to be something that, yeah, it's not something that you're like, yeah, why not? It's something like, yes, this, I want to commit to to this. I want to spend the time. It's worth going away and and doing it. I I feel like maybe I've been somewhat less inclined to keep coming back to it just because I've been through it a number of times and I know how much work has gone into it each time and it kind of adds up. It's cumulative and yeah, it can be thrilling and exciting the first couple of times you go through it, but Mm. you know, maybe it becomes a little bit more laborious later on. Well, and it's, I don't know, maybe really to some extent, a lot of shows have been laborious at times, honestly. Oh, even the ones that have been good for me, there's times where I'm like, wow, why did I make this commitment? But then I can look back on it and go, okay, well, that's why. Mm-hmm. But once you've got enough of these under your belt, you're going back in and you can't help but compare. So I'm looking at, you know, 10 shows that I've directed and there are a lot of them that are standouts that I'm really proud of. And then there's some that it's just like, you know, was this worth it? And I think at the time, yeah, it definitely was worth it. But when I look back on it, I look like what I can do now that I look at, okay, if this is going to be the result, then I don't want to put in the same effort because it's not like I'm putting in less effort for the shows that might not have come out as well. And if anything, a lot of times I'm putting in more effort because you're dealing with an actor that's not quite getting it or a set that's not coming together or something that's not working. So you're having to put in extra time and you still might not even get there. Yeah, you could say too that maybe, at least this is speaking for myself, but maybe certain... Uh, productions I've selected to be a part of or got to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a case of it was sounded like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Maybe it was the best thing going on at the time was available and I wanted to do something at the time and I could do something at that time. So given those conditions, here are my options. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll pick this show. Yep. And uh, you go through it. and Well, that was exactly with the last thing I directed where like I got behind uh, doing death trap and and was very interested in that but that got pulled and i wasn't able to do it so i think like you know it comes back down to to burnout sometimes but yeah we talked about burnout before yeah but we're just we keep coming back for more and i i I don't i feel like it's suckers yeah we're suckers well it's just something that we we love doing when it goes right it goes so right and it's so enjoyable it can be very rewarding yes it really can be rewarding and it's and it's worth even the stuff that's not great and the stuff that didn't come out as I expected it still has its rewards. And it's not like I look back and uh, with regret. It's not like I look back on the shows that I don't think came out as good and be like, wow, I really screwed that up or this cast sucked or this show sucked. I don't look back on anything I was involved with and go and it went, that was a waste of my time. I wish I could agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, I think it might be just a matter of... I mean, of, as in a waste of your time. Well, yeah. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. I, I think sometimes it's distance. The stuff that didn't go as well for me, like it's been like a couple of years before I've been heavily involved. I mean, I, I was it two seasons ago that I did uh, Don't Drink the Water, two or three at this point. It, it, it's getting, it's fading into the distance. And I'm not saying like that that was one mm-hmm. that went horribly wrong or anything. It just was something that wasn't what I wanted to do to begin with. And it was like, okay, well, this is what I feel I need to do for the theater's sake and, and all of that, rather than completely step aside when I couldn't get Death Trap. I guess the experiences I'm referring to probably are ones where I was more a 
role player or peripheral character. It wasn't necessarily mm. a production that I was instrumental in running. Okay. Um, I can see that. Where <laughs> it was a case of, this is just, and this has happened on a few occasions, this is just really not well organized. I will say that, like, really early on, like, uh, what what comes to mind? I'm not going to get too specific with it because I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not going any of my <laughs> examples. But there was a show where I took a role, which was a it was a non-speaking role. It was a really small role. I had like two scenes. No, actually, I had more than two scenes. I was on stage a lot. It was like I I, I was like basically like a butler. I would walk somebody on and, and bottle, and then yeah, and bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Butler's got a bottle. <laughs> I, I would walk somebody on and then walk off. Like I and I think I would like whisper to somebody on stage. So it, it was pointless. It was a necessary character, arguably. <laughs> <laughs> but but this was something like I felt that the director didn't really respect my time. Like I was at almost every single rehearsal, mm-hmm. even though my blocking was literally walk somebody on and walk off. No lines, nothing like that. And I would get notes <laughs> on stuff. I'm like, really? And Go that was that was yeah. That <laughs> that was something where I was just like, all right, why did I bother doing this? And I think it was at the time it was just like, well, I can be involved in every show this season. So I'm going to do that. Kind of don't want to break my streak. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And I don't even remember what other shows there were that season, but I know I had larger roles in them. And it was also like, okay, well, I got to pay my dues because I'm new with this. So yeah. I'll take somebody's got to take the non-speaking role. It may as well be me. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I, I've paid my dues and I have a family and I, my time is, I don't want to say my time is more important, but I have other things that I It is to, to you. I guess it is to me, but I mean- yeah, I don't know. It's no, hard to say. I, I don't want. I don't want to badmouth and say I'm too good for that because I'm not too good for a small non-speaking role. But there's other things I want to do. Yeah, uh, it's to a point where I certainly feel this way that you know, whatever commitment I want to make to theater, it's not the only thing I want to commit to. So mm-hmm. I am going to be try to be choosier about you know. I, I would like. To, I'd like it to be a rewarding experience. Yes. I, Life gets too short. This is my thought on this. Life gets too short after a while to spend, you know, you have to spend a lot of your time doing things you don't particularly enjoy. Mm -hmm. So when you have the opportunities to use your time as you wish, then you want them to be fulfilling and rewarding opportunities. Yeah. When you're choosing what to do, you don't want to make it seem like a bad choice. Well, yeah. And you just don't want to willingly subject yourself to situations where based on past experience, which you get more and more of as you get older, mm-hmm. that you know are not going to be fulfilling for you. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've still had shows where I'm working on them and I have that point where I'm like, why did I do this? I would say that happens almost every single show where I get to some point where I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to go to rehearsal tonight. Mm-hmm. But also a lot of the time I feel that way and I go to rehearsal and halfway through the rehearsal, I'm like, wow, this is really fun. I really enjoy this. I'm glad I'm doing it. Here's, so it's just hard. Here's something that kind of was a little bit out of the norm for me as far as working on a production. So I was just involved with uh, putting together a promo video. Right. Which, you know, if we ever do a topic about promoting a show, we could kind of get into these. It's on the list. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's on the list, but uh, we can kind of get into this a little bit more. So... I kind of put together like a teaser trailer mm-hmm. from the script, pulling lines from the script and structuring it kind of the look I was going for. And I was decidedly going for like a film based look because, you know, you obviously couldn't really pull that off in on the stage itself, sure. but it was very appropriate to the theme of the show and the setting of the show. So it was an opportunity to kind of play with the material and the structure of it and, 
and you know move it into well, like a that, film like, yeah i've done i've done that kind of thing yeah with, with shows too so uh so it was actually uh last week that mm-hmm. we had the film the video shoot yeah and we worked out okay here are the angles we're going to shoot at we got the lighting set up uh these are the bits of dialogue we're going to use and kind mm-hmm. of montage everything together and go through that. It was basically a film shoot for a play trailer. Right. But I actually really enjoyed it because it was kind of a fresh take on the experience. I've never mm. directed a film shoot before to begin with. Maybe, um, maybe you should move to film. Well, perhaps. <laughs> Talk would, to Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, Steve actually asked me recently about a possible role in one of his Oh, cool. Shows, unfortunately, I couldn't do it. Oh. I wasn't available cool. <laughs> when he needed me, but uh, it was nice to be thought of. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so, you know, it could be a situation of going into the old routine of, mm-hmm. you know, when you imagine going into whether it's directing or acting again in a, a stage production, you have a preconceived notion of what that experience is going to be like. But, yeah. you know, sometimes having a twist on it or putting a different spin on it or doing something a little bit different with it, but related can kind of make the whole experience fresher again. Sure. I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I've thought about that doing a Christmas show is that it just would be a different, a different sort of experience because you're dealing with a different amount of time and it's just different. It's not part of the regular season. Okay. You're trying to attract a different audience. You have right. a different built in audience. Right. It's a whole, but it's you might still have familiar. a different cast makeup maybe than what. Yeah. A little bit. Typically there'd be some kids involved, that kind of thing. Children. Yes. <laughs> You're saying that as if you'd like to eat them. <laughs> mm, children. <laughs> On that note, I guess we can stop our babbling. Yeah. This was a little bit of a different episode, a little free experiment, form. free form. So let us know what you thought. I kind of liked it. Yeah. It was an enjoyable way to just babble on and. If you enjoyed it as well, or you didn't enjoy it, or want us to cover something different, shoot us an email, podcast at backstage.link. Twitter at the backstage pod, facebook.com slash the backstage pod. Or you can uh, send us, send us, you can call us and leave a voicemail or a text message, 267 225 8869. That is 267 225 8869. Once again, 267 225 8869. And until next week. I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you for joining us backstage. So long. Why did I sound like Kermit the Frog? Welcome to the backstage show. <laughs> I didn't pick up on it, but okay, if you say so. It's it's much better than, better than Bader. It's much better than, I don't know, Heidi. Bader. <laughs> if you're going to stand up, I'm standing up too. Okay. Yes. You oh, got a guitar. Great. Jim knows how to play guitar. That's a tiny guitar. I don't know that I'm that good. Well, it's all about making the kids happy. Yes. What the best is Okay. Thank you, Ollie. Indeed. Once again, 227-253-65. Once again, 215-867-5309. <laughs>